Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to the 27th episode of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast that is 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. This is the first of two episodes for February of 2011, and joining me in the studio as my very special guests are a couple of super people with whom I've had the pleasure of sharing several Godzilla films with as of late. Uh, we will meet them in just a moment or two. We've got some news, not too much, but in lieu of that, we also have a bonus interview. And uh, let's see, we've got some local stuff as well. For now, I'm going to warm up the tubes on the Monster Island communication device and play some requests.
Quests for this month, starting with Tokyo Tower Showdown number one by Akira Fukube from King Kong Escapes. That was for Bill. After that, I played Miyarabi's Prayer, which was uh, by Masaru Sato from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, the 1974. Jose requested that. And after that was Godzilla X Meganula, which was by Michiru Oshima from Godzilla X Megaguirus. And that was for Sean. And I hope I got that right. I hope that was the right one. But now. We're going to turn to our guests. 
When I started the Kaiju Cast, my first guest was Martin, who had seen very little in the way of Japanese monster movies. Then Jody was a guest. And last year, I did the same in my February show with Rob. These were all casual or non-fans of the genre, but the response from listeners was pretty positive. I asked again on Facebook if anybody wanted to hear more of these kind of interviews. And as the podcast continues, I was happy to see more positive replies. Because of that, I've asked two of my very best friends to join me here tonight. If you see me at a con this year, there's a hell of a good chance that I'll have these guys in my immediate vicinity. Heather and Justin are also part of my geek trivia team, Voicemail of Cthulhu, along with Martin and Jeff, who of course have been on the podcast before. Uh, In fact, Heather helped me a great deal by being my trivia question guinea pig and by reviewing the answer sheets when um, I hosted Justin is an avid gamer, and these guys are the primary reason I read comics now, which is a nice way of saying that I'm addicted and it is all their fault. Um, Of course, this is all just a poorly veiled excuse to invite them to future Daikaiju discussion screenings here at the HQ. I'm so glad you guys are here. Uh, Welcome to the Kaiju cast, Heather and Justin. Thank you. It's it's not my fault you're addicted to comics. Yeah, it is. It's, it's my fault. <laughs> it's it's that comics are pure awesomeness. Is that's why you're addicted to comics? Well, I I don't doubt that at all. No, I'll take credit. Okay, so it's Heather's fault, and yeah, and I, I'm loving it though. I just passed a buck. I'm not I'm not one to take blame. <laughs> Passing the buck is uh, it's good. So uh, before I established the new Kaiju Cast headquarters, Justin had never seen a Godzilla movie before. That is correct. And Heather had seen some, but I'm not going to try and put her on the spot and tell her, you know, have her tell me what she did see, unless no. she wants to try. No. <laughs> no. It's been many a moon before before we were hanging out that I, uh, that I had seen any Godzilla movies, so I could not give you a title. That's okay. The, the cool thing is that these guys don't, you know, shudder or roll their eyes when I talk about Godzilla stuff, and um, it didn't take any convincing at all for them to come over and watch Monster Zero, which is my favorite, as many of you guys know out there. And since that time, they have already returned to watch Bringing Godzilla Down to Size, the documentary, and uh, earlier this week, even, they came over for the 1974 Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. So let's talk about Mechagodzilla first, because we, we watched that one most recently. Um what did you guys think of of this the, that movie? It, it wasn't as good as uh, the first one we watched, the, uh, the Planet Zero. Planet Mo- Monster Zero. Monster Zero. Monster Zero. Yeah, I, I don't think it was quite as good as that one, uh, but it, it, it was kind of amusing. At the, at the beginning, I was watching that first Godzilla monster, and I, I thought... For the whole, I thought they was well. What's with the weird noises this thing's making? It looks all bubbly, and lo and behold, it it is Mechagodzilla, and that was novel. And I think that was my favorite part of the movie. However, uh, it wasn't my favorite movie. Yeah, <clears throat> Heather. See now, <laughs> I actually really rather liked it. I I enjoy the seventies cheese, and it it had a very sort of Bruce Lee movie kind of feel to it the vibe of the uh you know just the color saturation and the and the cuts and and the way that the editing and the camera work was done so i i really kind of like the uh the over the top you know i mean it's it's a giant monster it can it can be a little over the top so. it's definitely over the top that movie is just everything is it seems like it's <laughs> like all those quick zooms going in just it's almost like they're trying to throw something in your face really fast. And well, how else are you supposed to know what that person is looking at if you don't <laughs> shove the camera directly into it? Or what's about to happen. 
Um, you know what I really liked about watching that movie was I don't know if anybody other than myself had seen that one before, and um, hearing everybody like talk about like, oh, Godzilla's sounds different in this movie, and oh, his they they went to uh, red fire breath. And then when, you know, the reveal happened, everybody, <laughs> even though it was a silly movie, everybody was like, oh. And it seems so obvious once it, once it came to light, because after all, it is Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. So you're going, what's wrong with Godzilla? Something's different about him. Something's strange. And then, of yeah. course, it's because it's not actually him. I, I did really enjoy King Caesar there at the end and in the song that you just played from that movie. <laughs> it's Nappy Dread King Caesar. Yeah. I, I, I was amused that we, we were all kind of joking around. I was like, oh, no, what's wrong? They must do the song and dance. And then she starts singing. <laughs> There's only one way to wake him. It's with an interpretive dance. Uh, I You know, just so the, the people out there know this, Heather really seems to love Angulus now. It's true. He's adorable. He is adorable. It, my my first thought when we actually saw him there at the bottom of the ocean was that it was some sort of baby creature that they were showing just in the way that he moved and the little squeals that he that he made. It's very, yeah. very adorable creature. He is cute. He is cute. And like I said, when we were watching it, ladies do seem to take a liking, a shining as it will to, to Angulus. So actually, you said underwater and like I didn't I don't know if I mentioned this like that wasn't underwater that was supposed to be him on Monster Island I think oh but the way they filmed it made it look like Monster Island was all snowed over so and the skies were gray and everything and I think there was even smoke so it kind of looked like the rocks looked really light too yeah lighter than the I normal actually large thought rocks. that the coloration was from him shuffling along the bottom of the ocean and that he was kicking up sediment of some sort and that was what was floating about around him but i guess smoke on monster island yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna guess that that's not the case because i i think that's the first time i've ever heard anybody say something like that about it being underwater and and uh put on my nerd glasses here angulus is not an aquatic creature he does swim in one of the movies though that's how he gets to Hmm. land so i don't know maybe i'm Hmm. wrong maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm just crazy well, it it was a weird scene. It's a 70s movie. And like I said, with my bouncing microphone here, but like I said, uh, the those films have, um, they had their budget slashed, so they weren't able to like do crazy uh, special effects, and they had to reuse a lot of footage and so forth. So it's a... It's an acquired... I find those films to be an acquired taste. It, it was novel, but I, I had just gotten done watching... Uh, earlier the and I, earlier that week or the yeah. week before, I, I think it I was. The, I think we watched it Monday, right? Yeah, or we no, wa- Tiger was over, so yeah. maybe it was Friday. That yeah, we watched in nineteen ninety nine. Was it, it ninety nine or was it two thousand? Uh, yeah, two thousand. Godzilla versus the Megagiras. Megagiras. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was really really good, except for a few minor wire issues. But uh, uh, I really enjoyed that one a lot. Yeah, I brought both of these movies up on on Facebook, and I think the '70s films um, are really very nostalgic to some people. And so, what ends up happening is uh, that's what they remember, and so they love the films because that's what they saw when they were when they were kids. 
And unfortunately for me, I never saw that stuff when I was a kid. I always saw Godzilla movies um, much, much later on VHS. And so Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, which is 1971, and Gigan, which is 72, and Mecha, uh, Megalon, which is 73, and Mechagodzilla, and Terror of Mechagodzilla, which are 74 and 75, they, they never really held any kind of nostalgic foothold for me. And so I don't really... I, I give those films a lot of guff and... Some people don't like that very much. Well, I would be more than happy to watch more of those with you because there's just something, you know, it's it's certainly not a not a nostalgia thing for me, but I uh I just I love I love the costuming and the you know, the crazy characters that come out, you know, the aliens and what have you and the way that they're presented and their attire and the hair and just everything. I I, yeah. I think that that's a really uh I mean, it's 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 an era full of cheese for cinema, and I I enjoy that thoroughly. Definitely, I I love the aliens in all the films. I mean, in one movie they're like cockroaches when they finally when the reveal happens. You know, mm-hmm. the cockroach people. Another movie that you know, like Monster Zero, they were just guys with sort of pale skin and visors on and curly toed shoes. Yes, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I just love the the fact that alien invasion is was such a big theme in those films, and um, even this there's this one movie called Megalon, and it's a it's almost like an alien invasion film, but it's people from under the uh, they're from the Mu Empire, for, so they're from under the sea, but same sort of thing where they would be invading the world, the topside. Were were they led by a man in green pants with an orange shirt? No, but they are led by a white man. With a ton of chest hair and a tattoo and a toga. That's kind of close. mutton chops. Did he have a hook for a hand that was made of water? No. Hmm. Oh, that's a comic book reference. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing, Justin. Don't, don't be silly. Aquaman doesn't actually conquer anything. <laughs> well, he would need uh, a giant monster from the sea to do so. That's right. And if anyone could summon the powers of giant monsters, it would be uh, Aquaman. Actually, that that movie has a giant cockroach monster in it. It's really crazy. Megalon. I'm pretty sure Aquaman doesn't have any power over cockroaches. I, I, I grew up in Florida. I know what giant cockroaches oh, are. That's right. So we, you may have know, some yeah. powers over giant cockroaches. Well, uh, I don't like to brag, but... <laughs> I don't like to brag, but here it comes. Cockroaches are my people. <laughs> Um, so, did you guys see any similarities between that movie Mechagodzilla and Monster Zero that like stood out, or were they just like completely two different animals in a sense? I like that the, the you mentioned earlier the invasion idea of the invaders from outer space. So, I I kind of thought that they were the same alien species, the people who were bringing Mechagodzilla, who also brought King Ghidra mm-hmm. to uh, deal with Godzilla before. I th- initially I thought they were the same people with slightly different costumes, but. Uh, you you informed me at some point that no no these are different, gloriously different right I mean these guys were they turned into monkeys monkey men parts of them Part, yeah parts random parts apparently they're allergic to bullets which yes. I think I am too actually but will, will you I, turn I don't, into a monkey I don't turn I, in, I don't turn into a monkey no yeah I would imagine I, anybody in this room would have to have not that reaction would yeah. not have that reaction. I do. Uh, I do get angry when you shoot me, but that's not any. No. Yeah. No. Do, do your pants turn purple and cease to fit? So angry. Wait a minute. <laughs> you won't like me when I'm angry. Another one of those comic book references. <laughs> I, I'm trying my damnedest to derail your uh, podcast. Well, good for me. I have notes. Um, 
I swear I'm on your side, Kyle. Thank you, Heather. <laughs> the one similarity that I I found in the in those two movies that uh, really stands out to me is that you know once Godzilla is the hero in both of those films, even though in Monster Zero he's sort of you know he's he's like uh, he's the he's not a hero at first because they bring him. Well, actually, he is at first, but when he comes back to Earth, he's not a hero because the aliens are in control of him. And in this film, he's nothing but the hero. And over the course of, we're talking about basically 10 years in Godzilla filmography between Monster Zero and um, Godzilla versus, this, versus Mechagodzilla, he's gained some extraordinary powers, like being able to be struck by lightning and then now he's magnetic. Was this also the time frame where they were looking at trying to make him more heroic to identify with children? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're like waist deep in it right now. And as far as 1974 goes, they were just... And actually, they're at the tail end of the first era of Mac, of Godzilla films. That movie was basically the movie prior to Toho's last hurrah for Godzilla for like 10 years. One thing that I was sort of surprised to see in that movie was blood or paint, as it may be, but fake blood being uh, dashed about on the screen. And I thought that was sort of a no-no in the uh, in the Godzilla world. Yeah, it, it, it kind of is a no-no. And it's one of those, I think that's sort of a telltale sign that things were changing and Toho was trying to adapt and trying to make that film more... Uh, more uni- maybe more universally accepted because it had some gore, even though the gore was ridiculous. I mean, if you think about the human action, there's a lot of violence. I mean, those there were some pretty major fight scenes between some of the the alien that one alien. There definitely but, were and the and the hero, as it were. I just the the, the chicken boots uh, or the, the other chicken boots. The the doctor, the scientist. <laughs> I, I, uh, Who was also the <laughs> uncle or the father? <laughs> the father. As, okay. as the far father. as the humans went, but the, the only the ones uncle? I could pay attention to was were he the an uncle and, and a father. No, I think the other guy was an uncle. We had the one that was the father, and then the other one was an uncle, and then two <laughs> guys I think were brothers, and then I think the girl was a third cousin. Uh, Chicks in boots. I love it when she they gets out they get out of the car. She's like, "Hey, you aren't invited." <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, unfortunately, um, you had to work, Heather, when we watched Godzilla vs. Uh, X Megaguirus. Which but, uh, we will have to remedy that. Yeah, well, I think that instead of watching that one over again, what we'll do is we'll watch another one from that same era, something with, you know, good special effects. And um, I was pretty pleased when we watched that film, and I was actually, uh, I talked about that on the Facebook page as well. I really, I enjoy that film more than I did when it came out. And specifically, I thought that that movie, I think it sort of gets a bad rap. It it has some negative aspects for sure. But I mean, Justin, that was your, what? Uh, if you don't count the Godzilla documentary, that was your second Godzilla film ever. And you didn't seem terribly upset by it. No, no, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, even though there were wires I, that were clearly visible when, when the uh, dragonfly monster decided to flutter its wings ever so slowly yeah heather will show i'll show it to you <laughs> so you know what we're talking about i yeah. like dragonflies dragonflies she, she are does. adorable it, they're pretty it was um the story was <laughs> this one's not pretty though n- no no it's not at all the story was really i was i, I find odd things pretty 
Yeah. You might find this pretty. Yeah. I was I was on the edge of my seat, even though there was subtitles. And I, I'm a big fan of dubbed because it brings me great joy to not have to read subtitles while I watch a movie. But even with the subtitles, I was on the edge of my seat with the story. I, I really I really dug the story in that one. See? The acting was good. See everybody out there who said, like, Mega Garris is a bad film. This guy doesn't watch a lot of Godzilla films, and he thought it was the story was good. So, me. Yeah, it's just when, when they came to the giant monster <laughs> fights, it was a little rough. Uh, I, I thought it would it was a better movie when he was fighting all the little the little dragonflies that were stealing all his energy before yeah. they... Yeah, and that's what I was saying, is that for the first hour of that movie, I find that that's one of, you know... And I understand there are negative aspects to every Godzilla movie. And, you know, I could pick apart every Godzilla film and I could build it back up. And, uh, you know, that particular film, the first hour is about as close to as a perfect film as, as a Godzilla film as we get. I didn't mind the crazy science fiction. I didn't mind the fact that um, other Godzilla monsters have that sort of like staged aggregation to a larger monster and... It just didn't, it doesn't bother me. It, it was an enjoyable film. Even though the idea of shooting a black hole is ridiculous. <laughs> a black hole gun. Yeah, Heather. Okay, so we're going to change the subject so Heather doesn't make those faces anymore. Oh, but but one more thing before. Yes. I, but Son of a monkey. I, I, I was just messing with Heather. I really didn't have another <laughs> one, one more thing. One more thing. <laughs> that movie was so awesome. Oh, God. I, do Godzilla movies actually get better than that? I I think I need to stop while I'm ahead. Actually, the next one we'll watch is probably <laughs> the next one we'll watch is uh, one of my favorites. It will be one of my three favorites. There's I have uh, a favorite from the Showa era, which is from '54 to '75, and a favorite from the Heisei era, which is '84 to '95, and then a favorite from the Millennium era, which is '99 to 2004. We'll watch my favorite from the Millennium era. Fancy. It'll be Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, Daikaiju, Sokugeki. That sounds fantastic. So cookie? So, <laughs> soggy cookie? <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, th- this is for the listeners out there because we all already know this. They, these guys told me that Justin had been watching a lot of documentaries on Netflix. And I thought, oh, wow, we should watch Bringing Godzilla Down to Size, which I totally loved seeing again. That was I've seen it like three times now. Um I think it's a very, very well-produced documentary. And if anybody out there has not seen it, it's part of the Rodan and War of the Gargantuas DVD set that came out from Classic Media a couple of years ago. You guys liked that. That was a good one. Oh, yeah. No, it was a lot of fun. I I, I really, you know, I I will go back on my dubbed thing. I I, I would have found great amusement in it if they had dubbed the, the old special effects guy. And the Japanese actors. <laughs> and, the, and the Japanese actors. It would have been sort of novel had it been dubbed just for the love of the genre. But uh, but I understand, you know, out of respect to these gentlemen who have dedicated their <laughs> lives to an art that they let them speak for themselves. Yeah. I think, and I think, I mean, res- respect is a good word for it. I mean, the guys who helped with that documentary are sort of respected Godzilla fans. And, you know, they I'm sure they wanted to stay true to the whole to the whole originality of the of the the genre. Oh, yeah. I, I was only kind of joking about yeah, whatever, dumb. dude. Whatever, it's all good. Too it's late. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go get my shovel. Um, but the uh, the coolest thing, not the coolest thing, but one of the coolest things was about watching any of these things, whether they're a documentary or a movie, is seeing the reactions of my friends and um, 
Heather also finds old Japanese men to be adorable. It's true. I'm it, sure they would love to hear that, you they, know, if they ever have a convention. It, it makes me a little uncomfortable. They're so small. <laughs> I want to put them in my pocket and feed them sugar cubes. <laughs> uh, especially when they're walking around. Okay, so the scene when uh, Haruo Nakajima and Kenpachiro Satsuma and um, Tom Kitagawa are showing their Godzilla oh, moments. Yes. That was that was hilarious. Just walking down a just a just a residential street somewhere, all doing their Godzilla walks. That's that is fantastic. That'll that beats a Reservoir Dogs walking scene any day. And yeah, I, I and would, I'm a big Reservoir Dog fan. I would like to see. I would like to have been like on the street watching them film that. Just at coming the time. back from the grocery store. Just and like, just, what is going on over there? Because <laughs> I want to be a part of this. Yeah. How do I get involved? That's right. I want to walk like a monster. That's right. But just uh, speaking again to the to the respect of of these gentlemen. I mean, you know, there were scenes where the uh, and I'm and I'm going to lose his name here, but the the special effects gentleman that worked on some of the original films. In a way, thank you. Uh, where in a way was sitting there, and he had those other three gentlemen with him, and they all obviously knew his story. Mm-hmm. They had obviously all heard it many a time, but they they clearly showed great pride in his story as well and seemed to have great admiration to know him to work for him with him and they all wanted to tell his story and have him tell his story as much as he wanted to and to see just that level of appreciation and respect for somebody is just you know so interesting to see because that's not really something that we get in our culture so much yeah that was yeah that was really cool i mean they were just content to just pretty much sit there and not say anything until they had a small, you know, anecdote to throw in. Right, and a, and and half the time you realize that they are telling an anecdote of his, that they are telling part of his story just leading up to the next part for him to tell because they obviously know it forwards and backwards as well, but they love it so much. Yeah, if I, if I ever do another Godzilla film festival, I would love to show that to the attendees as like you know get the actual film of it and and show it as a good high quality version yeah i i I think it's a a really good film to show someone who's just getting into godzilla to kind of see the history behind the monster as it were and uh you know i i got out of it that that my favorite person involved with godzilla is honda because that's the only name i can remember (laughs) that's right as as uh mecha godzilla started (laughs) justin goes so did honda direct this (laughs) and i'm like it took me a minute to remember who did it and i finally like maybe three seconds before the credit came up i'm like no it's june fukuda (laughs) whoo that's right i got it right i got it right fukuda i gotta remember that one now but but i I remember honda because uh i don't know for some reason that one stands out in my mind so you guys have uh you know, you've been in this room a lot and seen these monsters around. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, if there's any anything you're interested in or any questions you have about the Godzilla, I see you pointing at something. I, I think she's pointing at the like uh, the one that looks like a giant crab kind of monster. Yes, yes, that is uh, the crab predator. Yeah, that, mantis thing. that's um, the first major stage of Destroya, which is my favorite film from the Heisei era. Um, But the problem with that is that the Heisei era, which is the 1984 through 1995 series, that's a heavy continuity series. So every movie is a direct sequel of the Mm. one before it, which we talked about, Justin. And 
that is the last film in the Heisei era. So I could probably sit down and get you up to speed in, in a matter of like 15 minutes of explaining things with charts and graphs and photos. But uh, I expect pie charts. There could be pie charts. That's a really cool monster. So you, in your old apartment, you had this monster that uh, I, I really enjoyed. And I don't see it around here. And it was this little monster and it was square and it was made of paper. And uh, that's not cool, dude. <laughs> Tear. Uh, okay. <clears throat> so what what Justin is referring to is when Heather and Justin um, and I started hanging out. Uh, one of the presents I was given was Rick. a papercraft. I don't know what you call the little square guys. Is there a name uh, for yeah, them? I think, I think it's just papercraft paper is acceptable. Yeah, yeah. I, I was over at their house and I was looking at their stuff and I'm like, oh my God, it's a little smog monster. And it was like a little square papercraft smog monster and he was adorable and um, he was given to me as a gift. He was made just for you. And I <laughs> loved him very much. And then when I moved into this house, uh, and my voice is cracking because I feel so guilty about it, but uh, when I moved into this house, Somewhere along the lines, he was crushed. He was flattened, and and actually, I don't know where <laughs> where most of him is. <laughs> I've kept his arm because I know where his arm is. So, don't cry, please. <laughs> <laughs> Heather worked so hard on that. Why would you do that to me, man? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> he doesn't destroy all monsters. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> just some monsters. <laughs> anyway. Maybe one of these days I'll make you a new smug monster of, of hardier stock. A hardier stock. Maybe we can get some card stock. <laughs> get it printed over. Yeah, no, I, I, it was really cool. And I, I know somewhere's, somewhere's, I got a picture of it, but it doesn't do much good now because he's never going to be the same again, <laughs> even if I find his body. <laughs> Lost to the world. Just let him go. Let him go. Okay. So we'll do that. We'll, we'll find that again. Well, we should find it or we should create a new one and then watch the the movie that it had come from in oh, celebration. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, the cool thing now for you guys is that now that you're doing this, you are officially invited to all of the Daikaiju discussion screenings. And you don't, you can stick around and talk about them with us if you want to, but, you know, it's never, never a requirement. Huzzah. Especially since, you know, schedules get involved and so forth. Um, I, am, I am so busy. <clears throat> not talking about you, dude. I, I have a real job. Well, not a real job, but a job that keeps me a yeah. lot. So let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about, not real jobs. Heather does have a real job. I have a real job. Justin does not. But I Justin, school. you you're a you're a student, but you've also you've also <laughs> just started <laughs> you've just started a podcast. And um, because I think that maybe some of my listeners might uh, might be into what you do and might want to subscribe to your newsletter. Tell tell everybody what what you're doing these days. A newsletter. I'm supposed to have a newsletter. No, that's a Simpsons reference. Oh, uh, nobody. So my roommate and I, Ian, we are avid gamers. We, we play role-playing games. We play tabletop games, board games. You name it, we play it. Uh, and this interest stemmed uh, the idea that we should do our own podcast. So we have started a gaming podcast called Going Last at goinglast.net. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're a weekly podcast. And uh, yeah, I, don't, I really don't know what else to say. I hadn't really thought about how to, how to promote myself. 
Well, well you're going to have to learn, man. That's, I'm that's, sure Heather has something that's, to say. That's Ian's department. He's, he's the PR team. I'm, it sounds like, I think Heather should be your PR team. No pressure, well, Ian. Uh, wait, wait a second. There we go. Yeah, Heather, you are now promoted to PR. Fantastic. Instead of just intro girl. Yeah, instead of just intro girl. Well, we, we still need an intro from uh, the host of uh, Kaiju Cast. This is correct. And I'm going to do that while we're here. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, so Heather, Heather, promote, pi- promote my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the heck it is that you're doing. Uh, well, one of the things that you told me when you were initially looking into doing it was that you had spent a lot of times, a lot of time looking online in regards to gaming podcasts and that you really hadn't found anything. There's lots of very specific podcasts for certain types of games, but that since your interests cover a wide variety, that there really wasn't anything out there that actually covered all tabletop gaming. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's that's really what prompted it too, because I, I I'm a big fan of a lot of the Warhammer podcast and D and D podcast, but we we definitely spread spread ourselves away from just D and D, just Warhammer, just uh, Catalyst games, or just board games. We we try to spread ourselves, and then on top of that. The the ones that do fall into that genre, a lot of them have the explicit tag on iTunes, which which isn't great for those people listening at work or the office or with kids Younger around. Listeners. Yeah, so so we're we're uh, a clean podcast on top of that. Although you know, there's there's a little bit of a tomfoolery, tomfoolery, a few, shenanigans. That's what she said. Jokes floating around every once in yeah. a while. You can't you can't have Ian near a microphone. I'm sure without that happening. Yeah, I, you the know. kids don't know what those are. <laughs> <laughs> right over their heads. That's right. That's right. so so we we keep it clean and uh, uh, we have a lot of fun just talking and reviewing games and you know it's it's what we do. Uh, you know, like we say on the podcast, we, we probably game nine out of seven days a week. It's, you know, in fact, once we're Ooh, done that's here. that's catchy. Yeah. Can we get that on a t-shirt? Well, maybe. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we're, uh, in fact, after I'm done here, I'm, I'm shooting up the hill to go uh, game with the evil DM Teos. Who was your last guest? He was. So far, he's been the best guest we've had on the show. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> show number four. That's right. Uh, well, I, you know, I'm sure I speak for going last when I say Heather... Your description was very good, so you're hired, and I'm sure <laughs> they're going to double your pay. Well, and, and here comes you know. here comes the the true pr- pitch right here. So, for those of you that are looking for a gaming podcast, but maybe you have varied interests like Justin and Ian do, and you can't decide on a specific podcast to listen to because oh, you do you do D and D, but you also like Warhammer, but sometimes you enjoy the occasional board game or what have you. Going to going last you get information on all of those subjects in a nice, clean format. And that is goinglast.net. She's good. She is. I, 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 I had to write an email to Sean Merwin, who is, who is one of the big guys in Dungeons and & Dragons, and, uh, and she, she helped me write that email because she was uh, much better with the words than me. <laughs> so eloquent. Why, thank you. Yeah, may, maybe she should be doing the podcast instead of me. I'm just I'm just good at reading news from a piece of paper. I'm sure it's only a matter of time and before Heather has her own podcast. Right? <laughs> well, we, we, we do have the podcasting studio. Don't tell Martin, but I'm planning on taking over the world. <laughs> that's See, that's why we get along so well. So <laughs> <laughs> we did the exact same thing. All right. Well, you know, I think uh, I think we're going to wrap up this segment. So congratulations, you guys. Uh, you survived the interview. 
and here are your official Kaiju Cast membership cards and decoder rings. Sweet. <laughs> why? Why is mine covered in Mountain Dew? This is the last guy who had that one. It's oh. it's supposed to be Ovaltine, I think, for the decoder rings. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if uh, if interviewing these lovely people was not enough for you listeners out there, which it had better be. Uh, I actually have a bonus interview for you, and uh, this is the artist from the IDW Godzilla series, Phil Hester. He's well known for his work in Fire Breather, which was an image comic that recently got made into a CGI movie for the Cartoon Network. Uh, Most notably and applicably to me, he's been working with Eric Powell and Tracy Marsh on this new Godzilla series, Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters. Mm -hmm. I couldn't actually meet him in person, so we recorded this interview over the phone. So without delay, here is how that went. Thanks for joining me today, Phil. How did you get involved with the uh, Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters series? That's a great question because I'm sort of uh, semi-retired from penciling comics. I mostly write comics now. And so I wasn't really even... Well, I guess I always had it in the back of my mind that I was kind of had my eye out for a penciling gig if, if the right thing came along. And um, I'm good friends with Joe Pruitt, uh, who runs a publishing company called Desperado. And they published a bunch of stuff over the years, um, most notably really high-end art books, like from Brian Bolland and Tim Bradstreet and Jim Starlin. And they're in a partnership with IDW. And (laughs) while they were chatting about the partnership, they were like, you know, Phil, you know, would you think he would be interested in drawing Godzilla? And... uh, that was Chris Ryle, the editor of the book, who brought it up. And and I had never considered it before, but when they asked me, I thought, you know what? That might be a fun way to sort of keep my hand in penciling for a little while. So I jumped right into it. And when I heard Eric Powell was writing it, I, I really couldn't wait to get involved. Excellent. Well, I know I'm super excited about the series. Um, it, so I don't know how, how far you are into it, but what's it been like so far to work um, on a Godzilla comic? Uh, well, it is it is both more fun and a lot harder than I anticipated. <laughs> it's uh, the, the character situations are, you know, like living out a childhood dream. You know, you get to draw Godzilla trampling cities and smashing fighter jets and, you know, doing all the things that you did in the margins of your notebook through elementary and junior high. And, uh, but turns out there's no quick way to draw Godzilla. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is so <laughs> he's so texture dependent. Yes. You have to draw pretty much every wrinkle and scale and spike, and there's no way to there's no way to shortcut that. So if you have a panel like if you have drawing a panel of the Silver Surfer, great. It takes you know twenty thirty minutes. If you're drawing a panel of Godzilla, it's a multi hour process. Yeah, I well, I've seen uh, I've seen how I mean I don't draw very much, but when I try to draw Godzilla, I never, I almost never get a full Godzilla drawn. It's, it's like his head, <laughs> its head, and maybe maybe an arm or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I take it you're and, and, a fan. And, oh yeah, I um I posted on my Twitter account uh, a drawing I had done of Godzilla when I was in first grade, uh, because I even back then I was a fan of Godzilla. And it's funny to look at that drawing and see both how similar it is to what I'm doing now <laughs> and how different it is. Uh, it's, 
skill level has gone up, but the subject matter is pretty much the same. <laughs> I'm sure your skill has gone way up since first grade. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, so what about the other movies? Like, have you, have you watched a lot of those films, like Godzilla and Rodan and, and Gamera? And- oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was, well, this will tell you exactly probably how old I am. But when I was 10, uh, Godzilla vs. Megalon came out in the theater. And that was also back when you could let a 10-year-old go to the theater by themselves. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, for, you know, to kill a day in the summertime, my mom would just say, you know, give me two bucks and let me run and go watch Godzilla vs. Megalon. I probably watched it four times in one summer. Excellent. You know, over a, a two- or three-week span. And uh, so that was... You know, it's not necessarily the best Godzilla movie, but it is, uh, it's the one that's closest to my heart. So what, what is your favorite Godzilla movie that's out there that you know, you remember it's the seeing? Original, it's the original movie, yeah. The original movies. It's just so, I mean, it's not as fun as any of the other ones, uh, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's just so different from anything that came before it, uh, even King Kong, that it's, it's, I think it's really kind of, it's almost a depressing movie. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very brooding film for sure. Yeah, it's very bleak, and you know, even the hero has to kill himself to to kill Godzilla. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably my favorite. And then after that, um, you know, like I said, I have a soft spot for the hokey '70s ones of my youth. And uh, you know, I kind of like every Godzilla movie. I, I mean, they can. Uh, they can take themselves too seriously. I mean, I even like the, I mean, it's going to sound like blasphemy, but I even like the American one. I like all Godzilla movies pretty much. That's okay. I can edit as that as, out. <laughs> I'm kidding. As long as stuff's getting, as long as stuff's getting wrecked, you know, by, by a giant Godzilla, I'm cool with it. Right on. So that's, is that the, is that your favorite part is the city smashing or do you, are you like, yes. do you lean towards the creature design too? Uh, all of the above. I have to, I have to admit that I mean, maybe this is too inside, but I actually have had recurring dreams about Godzilla since I was a kid, and it's never—I am never scared of him in the dream. I am, but he's doing terrible things. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, he's like, you know, tipping over buildings or you know, like ripping up barns, and and I'm wa- I'm somehow watching from like a ditch or something, so I'm really close to him and looking up at it and not scared. Um, but just kind of like in awe of what he's doing. And it's one of those, re- I have recurring dreams about tornadoes too. So it must be some destruction thing. Yeah, I don't know. You know don't, don't, don't analyze that too closely. <laughs> okay. But he's not a hero but, in your uh, dreams. He's he's still, he's still oh, the bad guy. But he's not a villain either. He's just like, he's more like a force of nature. Okay, yeah. And uh, that's probably the best way to think about it. Yeah, I think that's one of the best, um, I don't know if you saw Godzilla 1985 or not, but I think that was like one of the best yes. best parts about the Americanized Godzilla 1985 is that, uh, Raymond Burr basically calls him a force of nature and just like says it point blank in the film. Yeah, and He's I've heard neither good nor bad. Even the animals, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Animal, animals aren't good or bad. Cool. Well, I've uh, like I said, I've seen some of the work. Uh, Chris Ryle actually has posted some of uh, some of the pages. Not too many, but uh, I know my uh, along with myself, a lot of fans are really looking forward to this film. Uh, sorry. I'm so used to saying that. Really looking forward to this comic. <laughs> uh, yes. Have you gotten a chance to draw any of the other monsters yet? 
Yes, but I'm not, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. No, you don't. Please don't. Yeah, don't get in trouble for, for this little um, thing. But I, I, I'm drawing a lot of Toho monsters, some that I'm barely familiar with. So there's treats awaiting hardcore Toho fans. Excellent. I've been telling everybody I mean, there's no, I mean you've got to know there's no way we can do a Todd Rodan. So, yeah, I, I think I can slip that much then uh, in number two Rodan shows up. Cool. Excellent. Uh, so is there... Uh, Aside from monsters and aside from the city smashing, is there anything that you are hoping to have the chance to draw in this uh, IDW Godzilla universe? They're, you know, I have to admit they're letting they're pretty much hitting all my buttons without me asking. You know, I've gotten to draw Godzilla, um, atomic breathing and skyscraper in half. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten to draw Godzilla. Uh, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> again, yeah, don't I, I'm, don't go get in trouble. I don't want to leak things I, I shouldn't. Um, I've gotten to draw other Toho monsters destroying uh, uh, border fences between countries, and uh, it, I've gotten to draw Rodan eating hockey players. So it's it's really a good. It's fun. Sweet. Well, I I'm uh, I can't wait, man. I really am very much looking forward to this. Uh, the the book drops in March. Uh, yeah. Phil, again, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Thanks for having me. Anytime. All right, so I think we're going to take a little break here and play another request. Tristan wanted to hear something from Matango, so I'm going to play Murai and Akiko, the Matango Attack. And since that is a really, really creepy song, I think I'm going to play something a little lighthearted, like the polar opposite, uh, before we hop into the news.
Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So this week, Toy Vault sent out their press release, uh, their latest press release for Godzilla Kaiju World Wars. This is a tabletop game, and um, I was a little confused at first because I thought Toy Vault had just changed the name to another game that they're in fact releasing, but uh, there are two different games. The one I talked about a couple of months ago is called Godzilla Stomp, which, uh, if memory serves correctly, is a card game. This one, however, has a board and pieces. It almost looks like, you know, your standard board game. Lucky for me, I happen to have a gaming enthusiast here in the studio with me. So, Justin, what is your take on this uh, Godzilla game? I like Turtles. (laughs) (laughs) um so in doing a little research on toy vault i uh, i went to go look up other games that they had produced and lo and behold they've only produced one other game which is the princess bride game and you know it's a little roundabout way of getting to what i want to say about this game but the princess bride game uh was rated as being fun one or two plays and after that you just kind of put it on the shelf and it collects dust also, the pieces for it were kind of chintzy. Uh, by that, I mean they were cheap um, and not very pretty. Um, so where that leads me with this Godzilla game is looking at the press release and looking at the press photos that they've given, the minis look awesome. So long as the, all the minis come out looking that way. Sometimes uh, if you're looking at the press release for games, the minis will look better in that than they do when you open the box. Hero clicks. Yeah, yeah. Hero clicks is a good example. I love my hero clicks though. But um, so so long as those minis look good, they're two and a half inches tall, which is pretty good. And yeah, it's it's pretty good for a board game. And uh, they they looked like they had a lot of detail on them. The building pieces looked looked okay. I mean, I don't know exactly how they're going to work out, but they were stackable building pieces, so you can make skyscrapers, I suppose, to for your giant monsters to knock down. No, there was Godzilla, Mothra. Um, I remember seeing King Ghidra in there as King well. King Ghidra, and then one other. So it's a four-player, one to four, maybe one to four-player games. There's maybe a lot of games nowadays have a single-player option for playing a board game by yourself. That sounds very lonely. It, yeah, it kind of is. But uh, you, I imagine it's two to four players. 
there's a card system uh, with it too, and I the cards looked kind of boring. I don't know if they're planning on adding art to it or not. Um, I my my initial opinion is I I'm, I look forward to playing the game. However, I think it will be a game where you enjoy playing it, you know, for one or two or maybe even three occasions, and then it sits on the shelf and collects dust. I don't okay. know. Knocking down little buildings with little giant monsters sounds kind of entertaining to me, so I, I think I could play that a couple times. Yeah, and, and, th- and that's what I'm saying. You could play it a couple times, but I, it's, it's Toy Vault is a, they make great plush Cthulhu's and Godzilla feet and things of those sorts, but they don't have the strongest rep making games. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad game. I right. Th- I think it'll be a good game, and I just don't think it'll have, you know, five out of five stars on replay value. Gotcha. Well, it sounds, I mean, a lot of their stuff is very novel anyway. I mean, there's only one company making plush Godzillas, and right. uh, I can tell you how many plush Godzillas I have in my collection. It's like one because it was a gift. And so I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I'd definitely play it. I'd play it with you guys for sure. And I imagine it joining your shelves. Yeah, it might. I do have I do have a shelf downstairs with games. The the box art for it was pretty interesting. I, I I didn't think it was the best drawing of Godzilla I've seen, but it it was it was pretty solid box art. So if nothing else, I think it will look good sitting on your shelf. Yeah, I like the graphic style. I mean, if I'm gonna get all you know nerdy drawing guy on it, I I didn't have any problems with the the way that they've made their graphics on the game. I mean, it's it uses a very standard like Godzilla font, which I'm, I don't have a huge problem with, but I have, I think it's been sort of done to death that font, but this is, I don't think I want to get into this whole yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Uber graphics nerd kind of, kind of talk with the game. Yeah. On the, on the game itself though, it, it looks pretty low strategy. It looks like it might be like, it might be great to play with, with your son, you know, someone who's younger. Um, I don't think it'll have the staying power as something like Settlers of Catan, which is a an expansively loved game. Every everyone who plays it loves that game. There's so much strategy involved for such a simple game, and I uh, my fear is that they're going to bank too much on the uh, excitement of knocking down a building and not enough on strategizing to defeat your fellow players or survive whatever scenarios. So did you? From reading the press release and looking at the materials, did it seem like that was a game that you literally you you like would roll a hit on a building and it would take some damage off? It would take like one of the pieces off the building. So from the way I read it, is uh, there's going to be a few scenarios. Uh, I imagine there's going to be a few scenarios to play, and then you would, based on those scenarios, you're going to get attacked by earthquakes or. Uh, the military is going to shoot missiles at you, and this is just cards that you flip each turn. And then as your monster goes around, you more than likely either flip a card or roll dice, and you then would either knock down the building, or if you're attacking uh, other giant monsters, you would... uh, Yeah, I don't know. You would hurt them, maybe. You'd slow them down. Hmm. So it was kind of... Oh, we'll just have to see. I mean, we'll try it, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Can you rent those games? (laughs) Uh, yes, uh, there there is a game rental service where you can rent um, up to three board games a month for twenty five dollars a month. It's kind of a Netflix thing. However, Crazy. yeah. However, I don't think it'll it'll be quite a while before 
that game ends up on that service. Um, I imagine the game at most will cost 40 bucks. Okay. Uh, if it costs that much, I will be surprised. Uh, the card game, uh, Godzilla Stomp, is retailing for around 12 or 13 bucks. Is that out now? Uh, no, it's not out, but you can pre-order it on uh, certain sites such as like trollandtoe.com. Okay. Well, I know that uh, when I asked the Toy Vault folk about when the release date for this game was, the Kaiju World Wars game, they said it was probably April 1st, but things can always push that back. Yeah, I, th- I think Godzilla Stomp is either April or uh, March, but... I'm not 100% sure on that one. I, I know that one I think we're planning on picking up just because it's a cheap game and it's going to be worth trying. Uh, I don't imagine Godzilla Kaiju Wars is going to be that much more expensive. Okay, right on. Well, thanks for the assist there, dude. Appreciate uh, it. I, I hope it was helpful. You will be invited over to the house to play both of those games when we acquire them. Yeah, in, in fact, uh, it, you know, if you don't acquire the games, we will, and at some point we'll, you know, Kaiju cast and going last, we'll have to sit down and play the games and then do respective reviews Whoa. it should podcast be like it should be podcast. like kaiju cast versus going last oh uh, well all right mecha going last <laughs> i don't know uh, <laughs> going last versus kaiju cast yeah. what do you want dude oh oh, oh i i thought you you meant uh it was gonna be me and ian versus you and your uh no, i'm just talking host. about for the marquee i already oh. okay. i already told you i'm on kyle's side so. oh okay so <laughs> over the table high five <laughs> dibs on mothra <laughs> that was too loud that was too loud that was uh okay you can have mothra um anyway so that that was all the news we had that's that's the news of of this month but i i made the mistake of asking the um my local like-minded nerdists in the portland geek council of commerce and culture uh, what was going on? And I got a slew of responses. You, you sound so thrilled. Uh, it's just a lot of them, and we're already at uh, over an hour. So I'm I'm going to try and blaze through some of these. Uh, first off, as you guys all know, um, and of course we here at the table know, we go to Geek Trivia every other Tuesday night at Vendetta. The next Geek Trivia will be on February 22nd. And as always, you need to be 21 and over to participate since it is at a bar. Uh, in addition to the bi-weekly Geek Trivia, every Tuesday at 7.30 at the Morrison Hotel Bar, Xander Speaks and Andrew Fuller host Trivia A Go-Go. So check those guys out if uh, if you seek more questions to answer. This upcoming Tuesday at the Someday Lounge, they're hosting the Someday Incubator, which is the monthly showcase of local actors, dancers, musicians, and other performers exhibiting new works in progress, and, social, and it's a social night for geeks of the art and entertainment variety. It's free, but it, you got to be 21 and over. Uh, let's see. And on February 17th, the world's best classic video game arcade, which happens to be here in Portland, is finally finished with their remodeling. That is right. Ground Control 3.0 reopens its doors. So come see their most recent upgrade. I'll actually have a link in the show notes to a micro, sh- uh, micro site that shows their progress. This does not have to do with the PGC3, but a band that has been played quite a bit here on the KaijuCast, uh, including the track that was played just before the news, is coming back to Portland on February 23rd at the Doug Fur Lounge. Man or Astro Man, the sci-fi surf rockers that have uh, used more than their fair share of kaiju clips and quotes in their music are coming back, and I am super, super psyched. You owe it to yourself to go for sure. And, and you know, if they're playing in your city, definitely check them out. Um, I'm sure that these fine two upstanding citizens might actually be able to go to if time and money allow. I'll have a link to a really cool and well-made documentary from Alabama Public Broadcasting called We Have Signal in the show notes. 
Um, and I will also have a link to their official Man or Astro Man uh, Facebook page so you can see if they are indeed playing in your area. The Naked Boy Part 2 uh, release party and signing is going to be at Bridge City Comics on February 25th. The author or artist, Daniel Duford, he'll be on hand, and I'll have a link in the show notes to that. But then again at Bridge City Comics, we're going to have Mike Mignola signing on March 3rd. And um, I'm super, super, super psyched about that because Hellboy is like my favorite comic of all time. Uh, it's a perfect opportunity to bring something cool for Mike Mignola and Dave Stewart, who is the colorist for Hellboy, to come and uh, come down there and get something signed by them and maybe pick up some new stuff and maybe a limited edition print. And of course, uh, the day after that, Emerald City Comic Con, which... Wee. These guys are going to uh, be driving up with me and with the boy. Uh, I mentioned it last month, Emerald City Comic Con, March 4th through the 6th. And uh, I'm not going to have a table or panels or anything. I'm just there to cover the event as a news guy. You'll be hearing plenty about this in the March episode, I'm sure. But if um, if you're planning on being in Seattle and you're going to be there Saturday night, um, some of the guests, previous guests and uh, existing guests, maybe... And listeners and panelists from last year's Crypticon uh, Godzilla panel will be getting get together to shoot the breeze and talk Godzilla. If you would like to join us, send me an email and I will send you the information about when and where we're meeting up. It should be a lot of fun. And last but not least, uh, this project started a couple of weeks ago, but a local costuming group called the Alter Ego Society in an effort to help promote Portland Comic Month or Portland's Comic Month? It's a, yeah, Portland Comic Month. Okay, Portland Comic Month, April, which is April, and the Stumptown Comics Fest. They've how, somehow talked our mayor, Sam Adams, into being part of a really cool contest called Project Mayor Man. And uh, basically, you can design a superhero costume for the mayor, and the Alter Ego Society will actually go through the entries and pick what they consider to be the best, and then their team of talented builders will then actually make that costume, and then Sam Adams will actually wear that costume at Stumptown. I'm sure as we get closer to Stumptown, you'll hear more about that. There will be a link in the show notes to uh, the Alter Ego Society page where they have all the rules and so forth. Definitely, definitely check that out. That is it for this month. If you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory and want to check out the blog slash website where you can vote in the polls, see the full list of films for the Daikaiju discussions, see the tracks that we played this episode, just point your web browser to KaijuCast.com and let the awesome flow through you. The KaijuCast is on Facebook and we're on Twitter. And there's a quite a bit of like links and tidbits of information that are shared between the shows, especially on Facebook. If you like the show, become a fan or, you know, follow the Kaiju cast. As always, I do love hearing from everybody. So if you want to write me, just send a message to uh, controller at kaijucast.com. Your feedback is important. I want to thank once again, Heather and Justin for joining me here tonight. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. And uh, I'm sure you'll hear their voices in upcoming movie discussions. Yay. Huzzah. Indeed. Indeed. Smog monster. The smog monster. Uh, we've already done that one, unfortunately, but uh, I will watch it again with you. Sweet. And the funny thing, I just I just reviewed that movie with another guy on a different podcast like a couple of weeks ago. Crazy smog monster time. We're going to inundate you with it. It's okay. Uh, so as far as, uh, you know, 
an additional reminder, you have uh, less than two weeks to finish your homework and get it in for Terror of Mechagodzilla. I've already had a whole bunch of people submit their thoughts, questions, and reviews, but don't let that stop you from sending in your own. And uh, to remind you about that, we're going to end this show with the final song, Godzilla in Danger by master composer Akira Ifukube. See you in a couple of weeks. Jamata. I certainly don't want that to happen. Who are you? 
since you ask, I'm Kumayama. I'm the great entrepreneur. Oh, you are? I bought this egg. It belongs to a company now. <laughs> you bought it? Who sold it to you? I did. And I had every right to offer it for sale. The egg drifted into our waters. Huh? Here is a response. How much was it? A great deal of money. 940,038 yet. Odd amount, isn't it? What do you mean? It's not odd at all. It was quite simple to agree on that sum. 153,000 is approximately how many chicken eggs this is equal to. I took the wholesale price of one egg oh. and just multiplied. 